Sunny 16 presents Welcome to episode That was way too loud That was exciting Welcome to episode 35 of I Dream of Cameras, the podcast about cameras and camera collecting, brought to you by the gang at the Sunny 16 Podcast. My name is Jeff Greenstein. And my name is Gabe Sachs. Welcome to episode 35. 35 as in? 35 years ago was 1987. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I was going to say 35 millimeter, but that's fine. Oh, gosh, you're always fancier. Are you going to tell us something about key events of 1987? Well, the truth is there's only two things that are extremely important about 1987. One is it was the 50th anniversary of Canon. Ooh. That's kind of a big one, right? What, did they do anything commemorative for that? Yes, they decided to come out with the EO system. Wow. So in 87, and look, I'm sure our listeners are going to go, Gabe, it was 86 or 89 or whatever. Anyway, but what I've got, you know, 87 was the year of Canon's 50th anniversary. And uh, I think that was the EOS 650 was uh, was the oh, first one okay. that was going to come out in 87 to commemorate the 50th anniversary. And if if I have that wrong, you know what? It's a win-win because we get more email. That's it. <laughs> That's it's right. totally fine. That's right. <laughs> For me, 1987... Yes. Was the year of my first freelance script assignment. That's fantastic. On a television show called The Charmings. Nice. By the team that later went on to create The Nanny. Oh, that was a big show. It was about Snow White and Prince Charming in 20th century Burbank. My goodness. Jeff Strauss and I wrote an episode called The Fish Story, which was about a goldfish growing to enormous size. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh it was the start of goodness. an auspicious television career. Yeah, goldfish. There we go. Giant goldfish. Excellent. Well, here we are with another incredibly exciting episode. In the back half of today's show, we have an interview with LA photographer Talia Adams. We love this woman. Stay tuned for an excellent conversation. Definitely. We also have a prodigious mailbag. But first, Gabe Sachs is about to embark upon <laughs> an adventure, a Canadian I adventure. Am, I am going on a Will trip you tell us, to wait, Canada. Wait, will you tell us all about it? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, it's so weird. Out of all the time I've known you, I had no idea you spoke Canadian. There you go. I just didn't know. I think this is this is stuff you learn about someone when you're around. Tell them us about what camera equipment you are going to bring on this trip, eh? Okay, so this is <laughs> this is what I'm usually doing. Okay, I'm usually bringing two film cameras and a digital, and then a point and shoot. I am just limiting <gasps> myself huh? for the first time. Hopefully, you can put a drum roll soundbite from Fred in here. Yeah. I will be taking two Leicas, one film, one digital. That's it. That's all. The and 642 lenses. No, no. Just th that's it. So the M6 and the M10? No, no, no. I'm going to take Ooh. the M4 the black M4. paint. And also, if I'm waiting, as you are watching this at home, because hopefully we'll post this picture. <laughs> yes. What do you notice on top of my camera that Jeff Greenstein guilted me into? What? 
Did you get a Leica meter? <laughs> oh, jeez. He got the black paint Leica meter that matches the body. Let me explain something to you. All you need is Jeff to do a throwaway line about your camera equipment. And you immediately what can't did I stop. Say? I don't even remember it's this. Complete, it's the way you are when you buy a camera and you know inside it's scratched and you can never use it because you know in your head that inside the camera yes. that no one else can see is scratched. Yes. So one day I took this camera out. <laughs> we're taking pictures and I have this little digital meter on top of it. And oh, this I, is the I, question. I, this... this is the question. Ready? How do you feel about having that digital meter on top of that camera? <laughs> That's all. That's all. Person. That's all he did. He such didn't say anything else. Person. He just said those words. That's all he said. And I'm like, oh, God. Oh, no, I love it. I love it. I think it's great. So then for That's 17 so months, I'm checking for a, a black meter that uh, was a good deal. And there you go. Such a, a sinister <laughs> negative influence on you. But you got one. What do you think? Have you ever had I, that kind I, of integrated I've never, meter I've situation? never had it. I absolutely love it. The guy was so honest with me. He said it was really cheap, seriously, compared to what they were going for. And he said that, look, I have no idea if this works. And if it works, fantastic. He says, I got it for free and I'm going to give you a deal on it. And he sends it to me. It's brand new. Like it's brand new. I opened the box. It is. There's not one scuff or anything other than the usual (gasps) fading. And then I put a battery in it and that was it. That's with the thingy, tremendous. with the thingy, with the thingy, with the thingy, yes, with the, the thingy, thingy yep. that's sweeping the nation. That's yep. great. Okay, so the M4 and the M10 digital is that what it is? Yes. And which you're going to bring the 35 that you love, obviously the 35 Summa Lux. This is episode 35, yes. so you have to do that, of course. Summicron, excuse me. Yeah, Summicron, and then the I'm going to take a 35 and a 50. That's it. This is shocking, wow. people. You have no idea. That's it. Okay, so stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Gabe is going on an extended trip to Canada. I didn't and... say I'm not coming home with something <laughs> oh, that's else because I may be stopping at downtown camera. Yeah, but yeah, that's it. Okay, the, okay, that's exciting. Yes, that's I'm great. I'm excited to see how that goes. Me and too. God, you're going to be out shooting with that M4. Can't wait. Oh, that is great. Uh, okay, well, in my news, yes. Okay, so as you know, I was besotted with the Nikonos three that Gabe Sachs got me. <laughs> and the lenses, which are so damn cheap. Guys, Nikon glass for 70 bucks. It's bananas. And so, of course, I had to read about the other cameras in the range. Right. The Nikonos 5, which is the penultimate camera. Yes. Before they made the really exotic and strange and large autofocus SLR, the Nikonos RS, which we're not even going to talk about. Not even talk about that. It's a different right. lens mount. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> The 5 is sort of the climax of the initial run. It is so pretty. It came in green and orange. Of course, I had to have green. Green is rarer. It is integral, unlike, oh, look at Gabe has a calendar with a picture of this camera on it. Very exciting. From the darkroom. Is that that this month? Yes, that's this month. The month of June? Isn't this crazy? Has an orange Nikonos 5. How about that? Yep. I just got this thing. It has automatic exposure, gang. You're kidding. And it's compatible with that full range of lenses. I got mine from a seller in Japan. Nice. $170. Wow. Immaculate. Oh, wow. (laughs) Absolutely immaculate. Looks like it just rolled off the assembly line. Works beautifully. I may never submerge this thing, guys. But even if I'm just treating it as a splash-proof, hardy, 
weatherproof camera. This thing has a sense of rigidity and solidity. And I mean, it feels like you could hit a mugger with it. <laughs> you should try that. And I may be doing that. Yeah. I love this thing. I want to hear from Nikono shooters out there among the teeming millions. I think this is the bargain of the century. I have put together an entire Nikono system with three lenses and two bodies for under $300. That's insane. Especially now. And the now. glass is mwah. And so, most, people, most people wouldn't think to go that way and to go. They would think it's so only specifically if you're shooting underwater. Seriously. Like, it's this great, you know, this is a great tip well, for people. Well, that's the thing about the 5. The 5 has the built-in aperture priority exposure meter. Right. So it's a really, basically a really, really good point-and-shoot. Okay, yeah, it's scale focus. Who cares? Right. Put the 35 on there, and it'll always be in focus. But it is so damn fun. I've been out shooting with this thing and experimenting. I bought a couple of books on the camera because, of course, I have to do that. <laughs> and I am learning a lot about it. It is a kick. All right. With that, we are going to open an overflowing... It's really a problem. We're going to have to do an episode where we mop this up because I'm looking and we have 23 emails. I've... So we're going to knock off a few of them before we segue to the back half of the show and our Talia and Adams interview. Gabe, should I open... The mailbag. I'd say open it right now. Okay, here we go. Our first email comes from Shutter Brother Wayne Setzer. I love this guy. You guys should be checking out the Uncle Jonesy's Cameras podcast. I love it. It's by Southerners, and it's excellent. Wayne is the third Shutter Brother. There are the Brothers Lane, and there is the Brother Wayne. Here it is. It is comments on episode 32, which tells you how deep in the mailbag we're going. Right. Greetings, Jeff and Gabe. I finally had the chance to listen to episode 32 and, as usual, thoroughly enjoyed it. The question of what gives you the most pleasure and or satisfaction in photography came up, and I thought I'd share this excerpt from my artist bio. Gabe, do you have an artist bio? I absolutely do not. <laughs> Nor do I. Okay, so everyone write one. Gabe doesn't have one. I don't have one, but Wayne is already taking care of his. Here's his. I choose to work with traditional methods and materials using a large format field camera and black and white film. I love the feel of a handcrafted wood and brass camera built to last a lifetime, and the time spent under the focusing cloth, exploring an inverted and reversed composition on the ground glass. I enjoy the mental challenge of taking light readings and determining how I can translate my readings to tonal values on the print. I love the sound of a precision mechanical shutter that's older than me, timing and exposure, and the separation between releasing the shutter and the rediscovery of the image on a beautiful 4 by 5 inch silver negative processed in a home-brewed developer. This is beautiful prose, Wayne. I look forward to the quiet hours spent in the darkroom creating a silver print, watching the image slowly and magically appear in the developer under the amber glow of the safe light, oh, then holding man. a fine black and white print that forces you to look at the subject in a new way. You see shapes, forms, and textures often hidden by distracting colors for these reasons and many more, I choose to work in this slow, contemplative, hands-on method because it's what I enjoy. How about that? That's amazing. Well written. Isn't that great? Yeah. Well done, Wayne. Damn. He also goes on to say, 
You also asked about favorite travel cameras. My everyday camera is a 4x5 Wisner technical field camera. I call it Little Boy. Is that because it fits in your pocket, My Wayne? Goodness. Uh, which is not very practical as a travel camera. So with an upcoming trip to Norway, I spent quite a bit of time searching for my perfect travel camera. You better brace yourself, Gabe. I wanted something with a good size negative, but not square, built-in meter, coupled rangefinder or reflex focusing, fairly compact, and of course, a good lens. After several months of careful consideration and research, uh, I decided on the Plowbell Machina 6-7. Uh. Uh. <sighs> yep. I love that camera. I want that camera. Wayne, give me that camera. It's a bit on the heavy side, but a lightweight compared to Little Boy. The focus knob is unconventional, but very easy to work with. And the 80mm 2.8 Nikkor lens is everything I expected. Camera slips perfectly into a Peak Designs Everyday Sling 3L camera bag with plenty of room for extra film. It quickly became part of my photographic family, and I've named it Gadget. <laughs> Keep up the good work, guys. Wayne Setzer, Shutter Brother from Another Mother. Love it. Wayne, lovely email. Let me ask you a question, Gabe. Do you have cute names for your cameras? Oh, absolutely. There's Dobie and Loby and Kobe and... No, I don't have any names <laughs> for my... I don't know what you're talking about. I don't either. No, I don't I mean, name I have a name, my name for camera. my car. Well, I have a name for my car. My nice. car is named Buttercream. <laughs> right, of course. I've named all my cars. Nice. But I've never thought to name a camera. Gang! Do you name your cameras? <laughs> I'm very curious about this. Okay, Wayne, thanks for that beautiful nice. email. well done. Michael Dodds writes, Hi, Jeff and Gabe. Love the podcast, have wanted to write in for a while, never got around to it. However, if there is one thing to get me worked up enough to do it, it is copy stands. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, un know. I understand this anger. I know where he's yeah, going. Whatever right floats your boat, Michael. Yep. I'm not like an engineer or even a tinkerer. I just thought it's literally a flat surface with a pole attached to it. It's too simple to cost this much money. I just don't understand it. He built one out of stuff from Home Depot at a cost of 20 bucks. He said it worked well enough for a few years, but I was always looking for something a little better. Last year, he found an old drill press in a thrift store for $15. Wow. Since I already had the light table in the mount, all I had to do was remove one piece of the drill press and mount my stuff to it. It works amazingly well. I'll attach a couple of photos, which he did. Looks incredible. Look at the light. It's great. Well done, Michael. The light table is a Kaiser Slimline Plano. Wow. I want to say I paid about 125 bucks for it, but I don't recall the exact amount. I did not do that. I got a cheap light. It was the only piece I couldn't just make something work because I wanted good, consistent light from a unit that was high enough quality to last a while. The mount is an older version of a Manfrotto super clamp with stud, 20 bucks on eBay. The negative carrier, very generic. Sent a file to a local shop. They made it for 20 bucks. Michael, he is old FM3A on Twitter. I wonder what his favorite camera is. Really nice job, Michael. Next up, <laughs> this is a question from Timothy Floyd. He says, Gabe, this isn't exactly an assignment for a famous and daring war correspondent such as yourself. Exactly. But it is vitally important to the security and prosperity of the film community. Get ready. Yes. As you know, Kodak Portra and many other films are out of stock everywhere. They are available on Amazon, but the description says country of origin, China. The oh, internet boy. says Portra is made in Rochester. Is Portra made in China? If so, what's the problem? Get those factories cranking. Or is this a fake, counterfeit, ripoff, signed, avid and dedicated listener, Tim Floyd? Help this man! 
This is really puzzling. What do you think? I mean, I, I, unless a Chinese distributor bought a bazillion packs of it and then is selling it from there, but I don't know. No, they don't, don't make portraits. That's in China. a tough one. I, no. I, I don't believe that. No, I, I think, think it's a Chinese Portra distributor, is American product. Yeah, I think it's Chinese distributor that bought up a lot of it and will ship it back to you for ninety bucks a roll. <laughs> That's my guess. Oh man. Anybody have any additional intel on this? Let us know because all, it all is I can tell bananas. You, all I can tell you is Jeff and I saw an Instagram feed, and I can't remember who it was, but they compared two films, and one he paid oh, ninety dollars yes. for, and I almost fell off my chair. It was Fujifilm Natura. Yeah. Okay. Compared to Fuji Superior Four Hundred that he it bought didn't at look Walmart, so good either. Oh, it looked really cloudy and bad. Ninety dollars. You know what Don't happens when you bucks. finish rewinding that film? This is what you hear. <laughs> Sucker! <laughs> Sucker! Sucker! The only film I've ever gotten close to paying that much for is either Polaroid Chocolate or Infrachrome or yeah, Aerochrome. That's what like it is. That. Kodak Aerochrome. Yep. But no, don't don't do that, guys. Back to the mailbag and Ron Hoffer, one of our favorite correspondents, writes in about lovely travel camera choices. He says. Dear Jeff and Gabe, okay, now this is the guy who did that uh, Bronx to Berlin book that we enjoyed so much. Thank you for that, Ron. So he knows about travel. He said, okay, you touched on one of my absolute most favorite topics on your last podcast, and I've been in a tizzy on how to respond without coming across too much like a crazed zealot for the minimalist approach. Yes, so sorry, much more like Jeff, less like Gabe. A very short bit on context, and then a list of faves and why. Context. He has traveled internationally for 30-plus years as an environment and water specialist for the U.S. government and World Bank. Wow. Ron is making the world a better place. Yeah. Not as a photographer, but the pictures have been crucial for conveying problems, partners, possible solutions. For 20 or so years, this was film-based, the last 10 or so digital. But when you are sometimes traveling roughly, carry-on only, for several weeks, and don't want to overpower folks or encourage theft with expensive and large gear, less is indeed more. When I travel with my family by plane, here in the U.S. or in Europe, it's not too different. I travel to see and be inspired by new places. A modest kit to capture those moments is crucial. My lovely but expensive Leica M7 and Hasselblad kits mostly stay closer to home. I recall a couple of trips when I was burdened with my full pro kit of Nikon F3 HP and three fast 2.0 primes, the 24, the 35, and the 85. Great results, but all I did was curse myself for the weight and consequent sluggishness then again, my Zenith portable computer probably weighed 10 pounds. So here are the faves. Yeah. Gosh, this is comprehensive. Get ready. Oh, boy. In first place goes the venerable black-bodied Contax T pocket camera with manually focused 38mm Zeiss Sonar 2.8 lens. My companion on so very many trips from the mid-80s through about 2003. Gabe, do you know that camera? I don't. I really I think don't. the original T is the really dinky one, right? Right, the right. super dinky one with the barn door on the front. I think he said it did fabulous with hundred speed black and white color negative, not bad with transparencies. Alas, the auto exposure does get fooled, so a small SLR substituted when I could. Hence the next set. The contacts took over from another fave, the Pentax Emmy Super with the forty two point eight pancake. <laughs> oh. I have that camera. I love that camera. The lightest kit I could manage with good AE and great optics. By the way, I'm rebuying into Pentax with an MX and a 35 2.8 compact lens coming from KEH. Schmat. And then he says, contemporary with the contacts, I toted a sturdy Nikon FM. 
eventually with the Voigtlander 40. Okay. Subbing for we a still small kit. Okay, we have to stop, stop right yes. now. Okay, this is why we have to stop, okay? Go. I have never shot a 40 in my life. And I'm what? Ev- this is all I'm hearing. I'm even hearing this, you know, Chris Chu, who was at my house yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Chris, Future interview. Chris shot with a 40. And I'm Which just 40? like, I'm just, I think it was on the um, Hasselblad. Which is wow. beautiful, but I mean, but that's different. I Wait, know, but, but it's, oh. it's it's just people. Everyone knows the forty, and it's like uh, they shoot it on the. I guess was it on the CL? What was uh, the? Okay, I will tell you. Yes. Okay, the camera, the first camera that I really, really learned on, the first camera I picked out myself was an Olympus thirty-five RC. I believe that has a forty-two millimeter lens. That was the origin of my love affair with that focal length. Okay. When I got a Leica CL. I got the CL with the 40 millimeter Sumicron. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. That is probably my favorite Leica lens. It is compact and it renders beautifully. So I have always been on the hunt for 40s. Now, I had a 40 for the Konica. Right. They make a 40 millimeter pancake, which is quite nice. There's an Olympus 40 millimeter pancake for the OM that goes for like $1,700, which we've talked about. I don't think I'll ever own that. And then we hear. Our friend Trev Lee rhapsodizing about the 40 oh, yeah. millimeter Voigtlander for Nikon. Mount. He loves the 40. Yep. Yeah, I think we got to look more into this. I happen to think 40 is the ideal focal length. I it's need to a shoot with it. On the wider side of normal without really feeling like a wide angle lens. So it's still good for portraits. It doesn't have the distortion of a wide angle for portraits. And oh, I got to try it. it. Isn't that interesting? Yep. Fabulous. He says, my current digital replacement is, as you might guess, I don't know these cameras, Gabe, the Fuji 100 series, first the F and now the V. Do you know those? Yes, I do. They're good, They're great. They're great cameras. He says, for pleasurable redundancy, two fixed focal length cameras. He says, now, I should have been worried about redundancy, but my old film gear never failed me. On personal travel, when I could carry another camera, I enjoyed having different focal lengths and formats, but still able to fit in my smallest bags. His fave in this category should be a gay pleaser. It is my gorgeous 1959 Roloflex T, lightweight TLR. Yep accompanied by the Contax T back in the day in a small Digicam since. This two-camera setup continues till today when I often head out with one manual focus camera, either the Roloflex, a Zeiss 6x6 Iconta, a Zeiss 6x9 Ercona, and then the amazing Ricoh GR3 Pocket Digital. Wow. And then he says, or when I am really going light and small these days, it's my original Roly 35 which has a 40 millimeter Tessar. There's that 40 again. And the Ricoh GR3. Okay, gotta stop. Can't wait to hear the other contributions. Hope it's been a fab holiday weekend. Thanks for listening. Very best regards, Ron Hoffer. Beautiful. That is an incredible rundown from a guy who, as you heard, does a lot of travel. By the way, he is Ron Hoffer, two Fs, photo on Instagram. Look up his stuff. Read his book. He is brilliant. That brings to a close... Oh, you know what? I'm going to throw one more. What the hell? This is a short one, and it'll get us to the end of May. One more from Brian Rout. Hi, Gabe and Jeff. I just recently discovered your podcast and have binged my way to episode 30 in short order. I really enjoy it. I have mixed feelings about catching up to the present episodes. (laughs) I'll have to wait for new episodes. Maybe that's a good thing. After 30 hours of the podcast, I feel like a recovering addict spending too much time with other addicts. Yes, man. (laughs) Jeff. 
you talked about your lack of success with Canon dial cameras. Look for the Bell & Howell Dial 35. Made for Bell & Howell by Canon. Likely identical except for the label. He bought one for $20 in perfect working order. I'm not a fan of half-frame cameras, so after shooting 72 frames in what felt like as many years, oh, I gave it away. Keep up the good work, Brian Rout. I want to talk about the Dial 35. Yes. Listeners have followed my misadventure with the Canon Dial Rapid. I have looked my entire adult life for a functioning Dial 35. Regarding the Bell & Howell, I don't want it. I don't want Bell & Howell on my camera. Even it's though boring. it's the exact same camera, you don't want Bell & Howell on your camera. No, it's boring. No. Do you understand it's, if you couldn't see that it's Bell & Howell on it, you wouldn't know. You also probably wouldn't boring. be taking pictures. Bell & Howell, let me tell you something. Yes. Bell & Howell evokes projectors. Okay. In the, like AV room in right. high school. Right. It's boring. Bell and Howell is a boring name. But do you think Cannon. people will come up to you and say, hey, bud, how's the projector? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think you're going to experience I mean, any of I that. I hate to tell you, but that is something I would say <laughs> to someone who had a Bell and Howell. Exactly. Time. Exactly. I, I credit you for finding a working one. I have never, ever seen a working dial in my life. Even if the spring wine works, the meter doesn't work. If the meter works, the spring wine doesn't. I, right. Guys, if you have one, send me one. Yeah. And that actually <laughs> brings to a close the mailbag. Gabe, would you like to introduce our interview with Talia Adams? This is very exciting for us. First of all, I found Talia going through YouTube and... Her sort of channel is so cool because, yes, you go on the adventure with her, but it's sort of the way she shoots people, which is really, really unique. And I love that, you know, she talks about the different cameras and what she likes about them and you get details. And I just think she's awesome. And we'll tell you, you'll hear in the interview where to get a hold of her and see her stuff. But uh, here we go with Talia Adams. So very excited to see Talia Adams on our screen. Welcome, welcome to I Dream of Cameras. We're so glad to talk to you. How are you? I'm well. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh my God. Let me tell you something. When I first saw your videos, I was, well, we'll get in. There's so many aspects we have to get into. But first of all, just your personality coming across on that animation before it starts. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's so much fun. I was like, I want to know this person. <laughs> I just I just loved it. I thought it was so much fun. And then, you know, also in your videos, it's like going along for the ride. You know what I mean? It's like we're experiencing it with you. We're experiencing new cameras to you. We're experiencing how you got cameras. So why don't you give us a brief rundown how you got into film photography? Okay. Yeah. Um, it was 2016, 2015. Um, I went down to Mexico with some friends. We did uh, Mexico City and then we went to uh, the Yucatan. And I took all wow. these pictures on my phone. And, they, you know, I thought I was doing a good job. And then we got back. <laughs> <laughs> we got back and then uh, one of my friends, she's showing me her photos. And I'm just like, why do your photos look so much better than mine? We, we saw the same things. And then sometimes we took the same picture of the same things. And she was like, oh, I took a, I took a, a photo photography class at NYU. She's like, it was required because she's a director. And I was like, huh, okay. 
I get, I got to take a class to like get better at this. And I was pretty lucky. I I'm friends with some DPs, cinematographers. Perfect. And so at the time I was also working at like a film school. So I had access to, to cameras and to be able to pick people's minds. So I had like two people I harassed a lot. I started on like, how to make a photo look good and then to try to explain the mysterious exposure triangle to me and <laughs> I, was, I was borrowing digital cameras as well completely making terrible photos and then i i had a friend whose parents gave him a camera so we could like make some some web series and he like never used his camera so <laughs> i would i would that's the best that. friend to have they, they are i still have this camera he let me borrow it like months ago. <laughs> he always forgets he loans it to me so i have it love it and so i went down to the beach with some friends and you know rookie mistake i'm standing on some rocks as the tide comes in and i fall into the <laughs> ocean with my friend's camera Oh, no. And so I didn't want to admit that I had ruined his camera. So I was like, <laughs> I'll just fix it. So I take it to a repair shop, Walters, which is one of my sponsors, and they, they yeah. for me. But one of the guys at the time was like, why are you shooting digital? I was like, because this is all I have and it's free. And he was like, he's like, no, don't be like everyone else. He's like, you get a film camera. I was like, I wouldn't even know where to find that. He's like, go thrifting. <laughs> And I was like, all right. So I went thrifting in the Miracle Mile area off Fairfax. And I found yep. an $8 Roli 35Fs. And it what? Wait. Oh, you are kidding. Yeah, that That's was crazy. I still have that. That's amazing. Well, no, that camera broke. So I had, right. it was $8. $8 find. It yeah. worked. I took totally. it to work. And sure enough, the first thing my coworker did was break it. Because it was, it's a plastic body, right? So everything inside is plastic. Yeah. Like a cheaper. Right, right, right. So I go back to the repair shop and I'm like, can you fix it? And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is terrible. <laughs> I just got started and he was like, all right, I have a roll eye. He pulls out a, a 35B. And he was like, how much oh, okay. will you give me for it? And I was like, I don't even know how much these things cost. I was like, <laughs> I'm like, it's $40 insulting. He was like, no, I'll take the 40. So for like 35 B starting here on my journey. Then from there, I was thrifting like every week, looking for more cameras. And oh, yeah. Just, you know, and back then yeah. you can get a camera for like 20 bucks, eight to $20. Right. And it'd be right. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's... Okay, I, can I just dig in on the Roly 35 for a minute? Because we have not talked about this camera no. a lot on the show. Yeah. That is a very strange camera to start with. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean to go from shooting with your phone or with a digital camera to a scale focus camera with a retractable lens, mm -hmm. you know, I'm trying to remember, does the B35 have an onboard meter or is it a point and shoot? It's on board, it's up top. Oh, okay. Oh, right. So talk to me. I mean, you said you know you knew about like what the exposure triangle was. How was it kind of getting to know that particular camera as a starter? It was it wasn't as bad, you know, like it came with a light meter, so that kind of helped me out. And learning getting a grasp of the exposure triangle was so much easier with film because my ASA was fixed, you know. So I was right, like, all right, 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 right. One less thing I have to think about. Um it, I didn't get a grab on like the whole aperture thing for a while though. So I had a lot of misses <laughs> with focus yeah, with the range thing, but it was also kind of good for trying to, you know, figure out how far away I was from things. Cause distance, you know, who even really has a gauge on that unless you're doing something that it matters every day. Um, 
Right. So it was it was interesting and difficult at the same time, <laughs> but I loved it because it could fit in my pocket. And so right. I, I sure. always have it on me and just take it out. It didn't require like a battery or anything. So I still have it. It's broken. <laughs> sure. But what was what got you hooked? Was it the actual process of using or the slower process of using a film camera? Or was it when you saw the results of pictures, you went, oh, boy, I really this is my thing. At this point, I have to say it's because I'm a glutton for punishment and doing things. <laughs> we all are. Yes, we understand that. Because I kept going back to the camera shop and the guy who was working there at the time was like, he took me under his wing and he was like, I was like, OK, so I'm shooting these pictures. How am I supposed to get them made and, and, and see them? <laughs> It was like, well, you can develop them at home, shoot black and white. And oh, so boy. I don't know what's wrong with me. I didn't ask him how to do this. I just decided to research <laughs> how to develop photos. And I did it wrong, of course. And so when I took him these blurry, muddled pictures, he's like, what is this? And I was like, well, I, I developed them at home. And he was like, what did you do? And I was like, you know. From what I gathered online, I did these steps. And he was like, no. So he takes out a pad of paper and he writes out how to develop black and white at home. Wow. He tells me all the additional things I didn't have. So I, I had to go buy those things. And then and then I started to develop again. And it got better. So for me, it was the challenge of <laughs> being able to do it all on my own, to, to master something that was, you know, I felt that was within my grasp for being able to, like, understand and do and to kind of prove to him that I wasn't an idiot. <laughs> right. That's so funny. <laughs> what was the first picture? I'm really curious about this. Like the first picture that you got where you're like, ah, like I'm getting it. I'm figuring it out. Do you remember what the first photo or the first role where you started to get kind of the positive reinforcement of good results? <laughs> <laughs> It's okay if you don't. It's yeah. all right. I'm just wondering. I'm such if... a stickler, and I'm really hard on myself, too. So that's kind of hard to gauge. You know, I'll say it's probably a couple of years ago. I changed. I stopped using D76, and I moved over to um, – it's the T it – it's a, it's a, it's a fine-grained developer. Cause I, I found T-Max 400. I really mm -hmm. loved it. It's fine-grained. And so I, I went to Freestyle, and I uh, had me switch out developers. I really loved – the look of it because I'm it's like I love shooting film but I really like a fine grain finish on my photos and like once I kind of uh took some portraits and I tried out this developing I was like this is the look I really like for my black and white and and that was like okay aha moment I was like okay now I can figure out how to manipulate the looks I want better and I think just working in post-processing with the film has made me more right. comfortable like when I'm shooting it now, I, I can kind of see the results in my head more and have an idea. So I think the entire process of shooting film for me has kept me engaged. It keeps me challenging myself. And there's always something different and new I can explore. So, yeah, I'll let you know when I have a picture that really. <laughs> wow, but oh, come on. I don't think okay, this is the part where I talk about how awesome you are for a minute. I love your portrait work so much. I just think looking at your website and your Instagram, you're so imaginative. And one of the things that really struck me is you don't just shoot at eye level. 
I really like how you shoot high angle, low it's angle. Great. You don't really use the sort of traditional kind of head and shoulders approach to portraiture. And I find it so interesting. You're, you are able to catch something of your subject's personalities, even in the way you pose them. Talk a little bit about how that process evolved. Yeah, like capturing personality is really important to me. I think when I first started, like in LA, we have a lot of uh, photography meetups and stuff. You know, like lots of little groups. I forget some of the names right now, but like I went to like two of them. I went to like mm -hmm. one portrait one, and it's always it, I always feel like an outsider because like I always feel kind of new, like I don't know everyone. Right. So I, I'm, I'm kind of like I kind of like chill in the back and kind of like maneuver quietly. But the thing about it was, you know, you get like a handful of models, and everyone shoots the model. And it, to me, it was like everyone shooting the exact same photo. Yes, exactly. Yep. And I absolutely hate that. <laughs> yep. And so I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. Maybe I can just start by like shooting my friends, you know, and I have friends who are actors who don't mind being in front of the camera. They're a bit more comfortable. And it's just kind of like I just talk to them. I would just talk to them and just like have them pause if I capture them in a moment. I love capturing authentic smiles and laughter and just like kind of revealing, revealing who they are, how I see them, you know, how I know them. And then like last summer, I did like a whole building the portfolio thing because I was it's really interested in editorial photography and just kind of like how that whole world kind of worked. Yeah. So I started working with our modeling agencies and, and meeting those models. And I, I still wanted to bring a level of authenticity to the portraits. I didn't want them to feel super, I don't want to say fake, but I feel like sometimes when you shoot models or people who are into entertainment they have this idea of how they want to be represented and it, it's not exactly who they are and so i'm while i'm working with my subjects i'm trying to get to who they are as opposed to who they're trying to project yeah right, them, right. you know so that's always my objective when i shoot people i want to be able to see them and to reflect who they are to them as well and i think those make the more interesting portraits I want to ask now, you talked about, okay, your first camera was this Roly, which is such an interesting starting place. Yeah. What was the second camera? <laughs> like once you knew what you were doing and you had the luxury of choice, what did you opt for? I came across a lot of Canon AE-1 programs. A lot. Oh, yeah. I think interesting. I had I think, north of 12 to 15 because I kept finding them at thrift shops and garage sales. So I was flipping those suckers like this. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. I, I kept, I didn't really keep them because it's it's a good starter camera, but it didn't feel great in my hand. And so I was like on this journey for a, like a year or two for like my perfect camera that I would settle into. And <laughs> I kept taking them to Walsh. like, does this work? Does this work? And I'm like, just find the camera that you like and just spend the money for it. <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> like, so funny. Oh, okay, what do I want? And then um, at the time, I was still like researching like lots of photographers, doing my due diligence and learning as much as I could. And I, I stumbled across um, Jane Bone, who was a Brit. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Yes. One of my oh, heroes. Yes. I, yes. The OM1. Exactly. And that's when I got my OM1. I saw that, that was her camera of choice. It was lightweight. She carried like two, a 50, and like an 85. Yep. So I was like, I, I went for her setup. And I loved it. I have small hands. The camera's super light. It's so great. Gabe got his first OM-1 just a couple of years ago, yeah. right? Just a year or so yeah, ago? Yeah, a year ago. Love it. Oh, it's so good. And you know, like, that her method was she didn't use lights. She would just go from window to window mm -hmm. 
until she found like a setting that worked with her camera. Yep. Right? Oh yeah. So that tells me a lot about your style that she's an inspiration of yours. I think she's an incredible photographer. Someone who not a lot of people seem to know her name. I know. Yeah. Uh but really really interesting beautiful work. Really, so yeah. you used the OM1? That was the that was That was the camera I I stayed with for maybe 2 to 3 years and I took it everywhere. I was mostly shooting black and white in the beginning because I could develop it all at home. And I had an understanding of it, and that's what I always had on me. I bought a OM4 later. Mm-hmm. I have like a backup, and yeah, now I now I have an OM10. Someone someone sent me an OM10, and that's oh, what wow. I do. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think the OM1 rules them all. I mean, I've tried some of the other OM models, but the OM1 to me is just just perfect. I just love the way that that camera is laid out. I, I love that camera. I, I always try to tell people to, <laughs> to get the camera. A lot of guys complain that it's too small for their hands. I'm like, no. Oh, it's so good. It's, it's so good. Yeah. Now, how did you, um, now I know you've explored medium format. What was the uh, impetus? Like, What made you want to go, I now want to go to a larger format? Besides, you know, we're asking this. It's so funny because we're, so addicted to cameras yeah yeah and that it's like we're just so excited that it's like we want everyone addicted to cameras so yeah. it's very fun to hear your journey it's an easy addiction so it happened because of peer pressure um <laughs> <laughs> yes your yes. peer pressure um <laughs> i've been shooting for a while so i i made some friends i'd found like a group of friends that were we all kind of were on the same vibe or whatever they were all shooting medium format. We, we did like a photo meetup where we invited like models out and we just kind of shoot the scene as well. And everyone had a medium format camera and they were like, what are you doing with that OM1? I'm like, this is my soulmate. That's <laughs> it. I was like, I don't need to go to medium format. They're like, you don't understand the negative so much bigger and so much detail. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And, and, and they were like, here, try this, try this, try this. So my friend loaned me his RB67. <clears throat> And I was oh, like, yeah. good grief, it's so heavy and awkward. <laughs> you know, I've, I've sprained both my shoulders. So I definitely feel when something is heavy and it's not comfortable. So that one for me was just super uncomfortable. And I also, I use a backpack to lug my gear around because I ride on two wheels. So I was just like, this camera doesn't even fit well in my backpacks. Yes. <laughs> so... I hear you. Yep. I, I I think I shot a, a, my, some video of me like first using that one. That's like the first medium format camera I used, and I did not love it at all. I I get why people do great images. You know, the glass is fantastic, but it's just an awkward camera. So then the next camera they thrust upon me was the uh, <laughs> Pentax six by seven. There oh, you boy. go. And I was like, this is great. This is like a big SLR. It's heavy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's heavy, but, you know, I, I understand this camera. and The way it handles. Yeah. yeah, if you're used to an SLR, it's so easy to make that transition. Exactly. That was like the easiest transition. And so I started looking up how much these cameras cost. And I was like, oh, dear. Grief. These are yeah. investment. And so yeah. I was like, all right, I'll just keep borrowing cameras. And so... <laughs> I mean, that's what happens when you start building a community. If you don't have oh, it, yes, a friend abs- it. someone's going to have it. Yep. Exactly. So uh, I had a, a friend, they were also purchasing, like, the, trying to figure out the Mamiya uh, 645 versus the Pentax 645. So it was like a big discussion. So the guys were like buying these cameras and going back and forth. It's like, which ones, which versions they should kind of go for. And in the meantime, I would just shoot them. 
and <laughs> just kind of experiment with them and, and, and make videos on them, comparing them and asking questions that I would ask if I was like even considering it. And um, I, I always kind of had my eye on like the Hasselblad uh, 500C. I was like, I yeah. feel like that camera might speak to me, but no one at the time I knew had this camera. And so I was like, yeah, one day. <laughs> <And so laughs> yeah. I kept shooting. And then uh, my friend ended up getting a, he upgraded his Pentax 6x7 to the Pentax 6.7. And so he's going to be selling his Pentax 6x7 because like it was kind of, uh, it was kind of broken. So uh, the uh, advanced lever was like, stuck on the 220 so you'd finish the roll of 10 and you'd have to keep cranking it forever oh right. got it. Fix yeah. it and so i was like he was like i'll sell you the body for like i don't know it's like something like 150 and i was like deal yeah <laughs> and then he he let me borrow his 75 millimeter while i kind of tried out different lenses for it in the meantime and then i went and got it fixed and so that was great and eventually i tried both the lenses i did the 75 i did a um the 105 that i have and then i went wider i did a 55 and another mm -hmm. friend of mine had a 45 so the 45 is great yeah i love that lens so i got to like kind of try all these things out before i i bought which is why i'm always encouraging people on my channel to really try lens try out cameras and lenses because just because it's great for someone someone else doesn't mean it's going to be great for you. 100%. And that's why people buy things on the internet is because they see someone else and they go, oh, that must be the best thing ever. Exactly. You're absolutely right. You have to try things out. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I love to cause uh, debates too. I, like I do it among <laughs> my friend's group anyway. Like they, they are always like waiting for me to say something outlandish. Because my friend, you know, he like got a Canon P and he was like, I don't need a Leica. I got this Canon P. And I was like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, oh boy i gotta say yeah. all right oh here we go I watched, here we go i watched your video uh -huh. about the canon p and i respect you is what i'm saying i respect you even as i disagree with you i have but you know what but it's like you're saying it's like when you talked about how the camera's a little wider than you're used to totally get it mm -hmm. yeah how the finder is not quite as clean as what you're used to with like your Leica M3. I get that too. Mm -hmm. But I just think for me, like for someone who is looking to take that step yeah. into a vintage rangefinder, mm -hmm. it's so much cheaper than, than an M3. It it's is. so much right now. It is. Just right now it is. Very true. Uh, so I kind of recommend them to people, even as I understand all the caveats you were talking about. But even still, I think the Canon 7S is better, like feel wise, than the than the Canon. Just like the feel of it felt oh, better in cameras. the end to me. You know, even like the whole like the rangefinder and like I don't mind the light meters on top on that one, right? Like that doesn't bother me because like if you're walking the streets, you know, you don't want to be like staring at the person you're going to shoot right away. So if you right. can look down and dial in your settings and then like when you get up on it, it's like right there, boom. So I really like that about that one. I hear you. I'm with you. I'm not going to fight you on this. No, no. Okay. <laughs> I completely respect the opinion. Now, I do want to say, though, we kind of jumped ahead. How did you get into rangefinders? What? Because that's such an interesting step for every photographer if you're used to SLRs. What What was that transition? So, uh, so the 35B, the roll eye was like a, it's not really a rangefinder, but it's kind of like the same kind of vein. It's like you have to. Yeah, a viewfinder camera. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like know your distance. And then. 
I'm trying to think what the first rangefinder I bought was. Oh, you know, it might be the Canon QL17. Oh yeah, okay. It no, it's not. It's the Olympus 30, uh, the Olympus. 35RC? RC, RC, it was a small one. So it was that one. Um, Cause I like, I really love street photography. I really love documentary photography. And eventually I knew, okay, I, I've got to get to like, I knew, but I was like, I should, I should practice, you know, getting used to like um, handling a rangefinder. So I was like, let me stay with Olympus. Cause I was already there. Right. And I just started doing research and I liked that the RC was small, you know, small yeah. to fit in my pocket. And that is the first rangefinder that I bought. I, I used it all over K-Town, just shooting, shooting uh, what's closest downtown. Anywhere I went, I just kind of shot that camera. It's super quiet as well. Um, people don't really notice it. They don't really know what they're looking at when they see it. And, and then from there, I got the QL17 next. And I love that little camera. Um, it's quiet. It has a classic look. People always stop me when I, when I carry that one. Yeah, you know, I was like I had one, or oh, I know that camera. So I went there next, and then my friend got the uh, the Canon P. But I always like I always tell people to keep alerts on either email or uh, your phone on eBay on cameras that you want in the future. You just want to see yeah. how they trend throughout the year because there are some times in the year where the price dips. Like you were saying, Leica right now is very expensive. It's not a good time right. to buy Leica. No. But I got mine around Christmas after you want to get it right around the time everyone's already bought all the gifts that they're going to buy, <laughs> right? Yes, Either, exactly. If you own a Leica and you need to buy something else for someone that's expensive, you're going to try and sell that thing off to get cash quick. So you're not going to be trying to hold out for a top tier doll. You're trying to love this strategy. I love so, it. <laughs> so that's when I got my body for much less money because right now it's like two times what I paid for it. Yeah. Definitely. So it's not a good time. But I think uh, my, my friend that I told you had the Canon P, he now has a Leica M4. And the, the first thing he said was, you were right. I'm like, yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, All right. But he bought it at a dip on eBay is the point of that. Was wow. Or wasn't trending high. But it is right now because, you know, because I kind of make content and I, you know, you'll see like a popular YouTuber do a review or shoot a camera. And so I was like, hey man, if you're eyeing the M4, I get it now because so-and-so just released the video about the M4. So it's probably gonna go up. Sure enough, it's yes. going up double time right now. Right, so, yeah. 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 Follow the trends, pay attention, set the alerts for the cameras that you want. Yes, right. Do you have, okay, so it sounds like you have a substantial collection going right now. It sounds like it. I don't think it's substantial. I'm, I, I try not to be a hoarder. <laughs> like. Okay. Wait, what is this word hoarder? I'm not familiar I with this know. word. Yeah, hoarder. Gabe doesn't understand what that means. <laughs> I have a friend who has over a hundred cameras, okay? Like that to me is excessive. And he like like he Yeah, Gabe, that's excessive, Gabe. <laughs> uh, I, is it sad to say I want to meet your friend and hang out with them? <laughs> it's super cool. You would love him. Like he okay, has perfect. so many cameras. But he's nice enough. Like he like rents them out to friends too. So oh, that's he'll, great. He may have yeah. like five hostile blads, but he like rents them out. So it kind of Talia, would you say that 40 is excessive for me? <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying that I also you are also excessive. excessive. Yeah. 
I mean, it's all right. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. I accept it. I'm an excessive person. That's fine. I, don't I, think I, I have it. forty of anything. I mean, okay, books. <laughs> I, I have books either though. Like I try to like always like every year I try to whittle things down. I just try not to have too much stuff. You know, we have so much stuff. It's people that yes. make a conscientious effort not to have a lot of stuff. That's very smart. Like, so what are the, the key shooters? Like the ones, it sounds like your M3 is is really important to you. Like what are the ones that you lean on the hardest? Uh, uh, my, my M3, my Hasselblad 500C, the Pentax 6x7. Oh, and the Yashica A. So I sold this camera when I was like flipping to get my Hasselblad. Yeah, right. I mean to sell it. It was one of those things where, you know, you sell a camera to a friend, but you tell that friend, hey man, don't sell this camera. If you get tired of it, I'll just buy it back from you. Right. Yes. A month or two goes by and I'm like, you know, I should have not done that. So I'm like, hey, man, can, can I get that back? And he was like, oh, I passed it on to a friend. I'm like, you did what? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> he had an agreement. He was like, I'm sorry. I didn't think you were going <laughs> to. I was like, ah. oh, boy. Because I'm like, I do love to shoot people so much, but I also love being on the street. And the thing is, I like getting really nice portraitures. And I will say that uh, the Yashica A is such a, it's a light carry for medium format. Yeah. And I'm able to get people to come to me <laughs> as opposed to me having to go so much yes. when I want to take a photo of a stranger. And so I just felt like it was like a really good camera to have for that. So I, I just rebought that camera because- That's great. Okay. So those are like my, my, my staple go-tos for sure. Yeah. All right, let me ask you this. I have never had a Hasselblad mm -hmm. or really a Mamiya RB or any of those what I call big ugly box cameras. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, I have a TLR, I have a Roly TLR, I have a Pentax 6x7. It's not that I don't shoot medium format, I do. Yeah. Tell me why I need a Hasselblad 500C. Why do I need that? I'm not going to tell you why you need it. I'll tell you. Why, <laughs> I'll tell you why you might want it. Yes. Okay. Oh, I love, love it. That. Good distinction. So, as far as like the box shapes cameras go, this one is rather small, right? It's easier to fit in your hand. It's easier to maneuver. Like it's it's so compact and it moves so well, right? And yep. like. I listened to a podcast once. I think it was your podcast. You were saying people use it on like sticks. And I was like, I never use sticks. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I take the, I shoot it by hand everywhere I, I go for the most part. And I'm typically shooting portraits with it. And I just, I just, the viewfinder is super clean. The, the shutter sound is so satisfying. You know? Oh, please. It is the best sounding camera I own. I, yeah. that sound, when I first heard that sound, I went, I have got to figure out how to get this camera. Yeah. It's, just, it's just that sound. It's, it's my favorite sound of any camera. A, it's like a ha sound, you know? Yeah. And it gives you like this, maybe you're, you're taking a crappy photo, but it gives you the feeling like you just- Totally. You've just like, done oh. something. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, yeah. I absolutely love my Hasselblad so much. And like, I really, you know, if you saw the series, I worked for it. I was like, okay, I got a short amount of time to get it for like a discounted price and yep. I have to flip, yep. flip, flip for it. And yeah, it's it's one of those cameras that's kind of like once you have it, I think you're better for it. Honestly, like I've shot it's a great camera, Jeff. You got to try it. Are you saying it's going to make me a better person? Oh, definitely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No question. No I've question. Shot I okay. 
All right. Okay. I'm fine. I accept that. Gabe, I will borrow yes, yours. Yeah, anytime. Anytime. Let him borrow it. Because okay. I've shot the Mamiya or at least six, seven. And like, I feel like right now it's like the industry standard. Like I've assisted on yes. editorial shoots a lot recently. And I feel like the photographers I've shot with, uh, they always have the RZ67. And Definitely. like, I get it. The images look beautiful, but I've used it a lot. And it's just not my camera. Like I just, like it's lighter than the RV, but I'm just like, eh. You know, it's not for me. So if you hold the Hasselblad and you use the Hasselblad and you can walk away feeling like it's not for you, fair enough. All right. But it's not You're going to have to try Thank it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. You know, one thing, one thing I love about, you know, your show is that, you know, which we try to do, but you do it with such passion is, you know, tell people they can achieve great results with an inexpensive camera. It's like you're also encouraging them. It's like, just pick something up and do it as opposed to analyzing like, what kind of camera do I have? Is it the coolest camera in the world? Because, you know, as you say, it's the photographer, you know, it's really, it's, it's, you know, I love seeing that, especially when you go on your adventure, like if it's in Venice or, or wherever, just sort of watching your process. And also when you're doing your show and you're talking about just get a camera you can actually do it it's sort of getting people to make that step mm -hmm. which i find is the hardest yeah it's like just you talk about oh my gosh i would love to get into it and i just don't know anything about it and it's just like moving forward so yeah i tried I love to that. make a concerted effort when i got started because when i started my channel i was pretty much you know in the beginning phases of of my journey and right. it was kind of like like I said, I was buying $8, $20 cameras. So I wasn't buying the best cameras on the market, but I was also at the same time studying photographers whose work I really enjoy and right. kind of analyzing why I like their work, what things in their photographs that resonated with me and that I wanted to see in my work. So, you know, get a camera, but spend more time developing your eye, understanding what it is you like about photographs and what it is uh that draws you to subjects scenes or people so i think once that understanding happens you know the camera really does become your your tool you know because different projects call for different tools so the idea that if you have a mamiya 7 you're going to take amazing shots is is not necessarily the case if your eye isn't developed so definitely 100 percent on that and and so many people are concentrating on the equipment and the technicality and and what I need to do and is this right instead of just just doing it, mm -hmm. you know, just actually shooting and shooting and shooting and developing that eye. I think is such great advice. It's it's so important. Definitely. You do make it clear, however, Talia, that it's very important. A very important part of the photographer's toolkit is a motorcycle. <laughs> oh my God, that is the coolest In LA. thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I got to say, watching some of your videos and seeing you weaving through traffic, I'm like, why have I not done this yet? <laughs> like, it seems like the smartest thing in She's the world. She's getting to shoots sooner than anyone. Yeah, I yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. I do. Like, when your shoots in West Hollywood and you get out at five, <laughs> gridlock, I'm like, I'm trying to get home today, not tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. It's so, so true. Yeah. Well, listen, you're amazing. Thank you. I feel like we could double the length Our, of this We're going to have you on again. We, we need to, to have we, you on absolutely. again. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, please tell people where they can find you across the internet. Um, my website, uh, www.taliaadams.com. My YouTube channel, Talia Adams. Instagram, Talia Adams or Talia underscore Adams. I'm on Twitter, but I don't tweet that much. Um, I'm also on uh, Medium. 
I write about whatever. <laughs> and uh, yeah, more content. And it's Talia with a Y, gang. Yes. Talia with a Y. L before Excellent. Y. You can't go. L before, L before y. y. There you go. <laughs> Thanks for being with us. You're amazing. And I, I hope we get to meet up with you somewhere in we L.A. We have to do this. We have, we're going to make a plan. We're going to make a plan. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. And we're back. Great conversation. She's, she's so uh, great. Just love her stuff. I love these oh, in her videos, her on a motorcycle going around L.A. <laughs> to all of these amazing locations and shooting these beautiful photographs. Once again, she is Talia. That's with a Y. T-A-L-Y-A underscore Adams on Instagram. Look her up. She's also at TaliaAdams.com. She has a great YouTube channel. She's awesome. Talia, thanks for joining us hope to meet up with you in la soon we are going to do that there'll be so much fun okay before you go off to canada and begin quaffing beers with the mckenzie brothers absolutely which is i guess what you do up there yes any final thoughts as we close out <laughs> episode 35 of i dream of cameras thoughts well you know what? I have to be honest with you. I never thought about the time involved until you read an email and they said 30 hours. <laughs> I never even, I, I, I got to yeah. tell you, that was the first time I went, oh my gosh, we've done 35 hours of shows. Yes. Um, uh, it's so exciting. I mean, I just, I, it just hit me just now that it was when he said that and I caught up with yeah. 30 hours. Yeah. So we thank everyone for dedicating their When are we, when are we done? Time. We're done, we done at 100 because we can and syndicate we it to our friends. <laughs> and by syndicate, I mean we're going to make cassette tapes of it and send it to everyone. That's what yes. we're going to do. One other thing, by the way. Okay, our thank yous. Oh, my goodness, yes. Who do we have to thank? We I'm going to chime in in a second with an interesting piece of news. We Who have we to thank, thank Fred Corey for our amazing music and oh, our yeah. sound and Jeff Greenstein. Jeff Greenstein's actually right no, here. No, not me. Don't Keith thank Greenstein me. for our amazing look and continually coming up with original stickers just a yes, hint this there is what i was going to say yep. i came back from a trip to find a box from ups containing die cut i dream of cameras logo stickers that keith sent me so if you see gabe or me on the street accost us exactly i'll be bringing some to canada but not those but i'll be bringing some other cool yes, ones but demand stickers it is yes. the only way you can prove you met us yes so yes thank you to keith Thank you to Fred, and thank you to the legions of listeners who have gone with us on this 35-hour journey. <laughs> Final word before we close out, Mr. Sachs. Take us out of here. Let me tell you something, people. Don't ever be shamed into getting a perfect meter for your perfect camera. <laughs> I'm telling you. You try to ignore it. This is what I did. I tried to ignore it forever. I'm like, going, who cares? I love this meter. It's digital. It's modern. I press a button. I get the reading right away. It's perfect. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't get it out of my head. I'm turning into Jeff Greenstein. Uh, so anyway, uh, just remember that, people. Whatever equipment you have, it's just fine until you can't sleep at night. We will see you next time.